Soren! Where have you been all this time? What are you doing? Soren! Stop it! What did you do that for? I'm doing this to uphold the teachings of God! There is no God in this world. No God. What you're doing is a despicable ritual that will only bring about more violence. Don't let him out of the house. can change is how you feel about things in the present. But nothing else changes. Not others' feelings. And certainly not their lives. <laughs> Setsuna, you could change. I couldn't, so you'll have to do it for me. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. I'm here with a four-star review of the sheer incompetence of bringing Sabbaty. I'm Tyler. <laughs> I should have seen that coming because it's literally on your notepad. It's such a good line. Uh, <laughs> uh, my name is Zach. What I've realized is the more I do this podcast, the worse I am at starting it. And we have to do six of these this week because of IRL reasons. So I feel like our intros are just going to get worse and worse with every, like, we're only doing three tonight. So I feel like when we get to the fourth episode we're doing this week, like the, the climb quality, but, but then it'll dive further down after that. No, I, okay, that's fair. I feel like we need like a random idea generator for how to intro this podcast. It's a thing where in Gundam Seed, because Gundam Seed is my favorite anime of all time, I always had leading questions to ask you, the new viewer. And in Gundam Seed Destiny, I had a lot of feelings about that. So I had leading questions to ask you. I like Double O. It's pretty good. But like, what I want to ask you is stuff like, where do you think this is going? And you'll just be like, I don't know, man. To the I moon? Don't, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I guess everyone's going to dissolve into particles or something. And I don't know anything about Double O. Or I, I guess I know, know. I know more about Double O than Tyler does, although, but not a lot more. <laughs> although I feel like the big thing you knew does happen in these three episodes. I feel like there's another thing you know, but you have talked to Tyler as if you don't know it. And I don't know if that's you trying to maintain a secret or if you have forgotten something i know you know about <laughs> now i'm trying to think of what i might have talked to tyler as if i don't know the answer to i also think specifically our our set of in jokes that we developed for seed were good for recap material yeah, I, as well and I our like in jokes for this show are like not good for describing the show at all yeah well I like the four fuckboys and their mom joke a lot. Yeah, no, but, it's pretty good. But um. I also don't want to use it every week. And then we have to talk about Mr. Bushido. And, like, <laughs> He's and, back. And, like, Setsuna's, like, the, the Setsuna Revenge Squad, which is rivaling the Sinister 12 for number of <laughs> uh, members now. Uh, Ribbons, Mr. Bushido, Ali Alsaches, Patrick Colasar. I don't feel like Patrick Colasar has a revenge thing for Setsuna. No, he's well, just he gonna, does. He's just bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> but he's literally been going head to head with Tiaria for most of the series. 
Well, yeah, but he wants his rival to be Setsuda. He's just bad at it. I don't think Patrick Colasar really cares who his rival is. He just, Gundam is his rival. <laughs> well, and Setsuna is Gundam. Gundam. <laughs> That's a Gundam in U- the UK, by uh, the way. And Luis and uh, yeah, Ribbons Allmark. I think you already said Ribbons. But well, oh, did I? You did. Divine Being. Well, Lu- <laughs> Louise also, is her thing is, I hate Gundam, period. It's not really, yeah, I hate her ex-boyfriend Gundam. is in Setsuna's backpack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's true. <laughs> See, that was a good recap I, of I, Gundam <laughs> Double, right? Louise sets her relationship status to, it's complicated. We saw her delete all the photos. She, she set, set herself to single. single. She doesn't mean it, but that's what no, she, she said. No, she set herself to angry. Uh, <laughs> Saji's is set to, it's complicated. Yeah. Civil War. Yeah, fa- <laughs> Facebook relationship statuses, single, in a relationship, it's complicated and angry. You uh, forgot Gundam. And Gundam. <laughs> status, and maybe Tiaria's. <laughs> well, I mean, Tiara was in a relationship with Veda, yeah. but... Well, now it's complicated. Yeah, now it's complicated. There's a scene with Tiaria, and I think this first episode that I really liked for... Is it the one where he's like, Setsuna will, get, will be here. I believe in him. No, actually, it wasn't. I do also really like that he's like, you know, they're all talking, and then Tiara just, like, dramatically looks at the ground and says that, and then they zoom out, and he's still looking at the ground. It's, like, the most emo teenager possible thing. I don't know how old Tiaria is or how old he's supposed to be, to be fair. I think he's, like, early 20s. Oh, but is he actually, like, three? Oh, okay, that's a very yeah, good Because we don't know exactly how that worked, especially with the interchange between Ribbons and Regina later. I mean, so, it was a four-year time skip, so minimum he's five, and I assume he's older than that, but is he as old as he appears to be? Is he older than he appears to be? So, uh, on this episode, Innovators. No, nothing. That wasn't... Okay, never mind. I think you could get there, but we're... Like, Ribbon with Allmark's house definitely looks like there's a reality TV show being filmed <laughs> it's there. It's just right? Big Brother, right? Just over on the corner, you can see the film yeah. crew. And Wong Lume is like the ringer they've thrown in to just start drama. And Th- that's why Regina's always there uh, deadpan snarking him and just like prodding him. Yeah. It's because it's reality TV. Exactly. That was a, a recap of Double O, right? What's happened recently? Uh, Setsuna got separated from all his friends. He also he learned how to teleport. He kicked the shit out of Sachez. He yes. did, yes. Marina wrote a song with a bunch of children. And it was so good it distracted Setsuna from killing Sachez. Let's see what else happened. Uh, Mr. Bushido got his new flag built. What Do we know what it's called? I, the I know Marasuo? We the, okay. I, I think I'm pronouncing that I think wrong. it's... I thought there was an N in there. I thought, I thought it was the Marasuno. I don't believe there is an N in there, but I could be I wrong. I could be making that up. Uh, it's the Masarau. Masarau? Okay. So we start this episode. <laughs> oh, no, we have to talk about how the Ptolemy is broken, and Ian's trying to fix it. Mm. Um, There's a big old hole in the Ptolemyos. And Anu and Lock-On flirted at each other, with each other, towards each oh, other. Oh, yeah, I thought you said Anu, as in a new person, and <laughs> so then you just skipped I. the name. I keep forgetting her name is goddamn Anu. Tyler, I oh. did the same exact thing. I was like... We had to specify who it was, and then my brain kicked in and was like, we already did. It's a really dumb name. You know, she just keeps coming back to the show, though. She's a real returner. Uh, is there anything else that happened in Gundam 00? Wong Lume uh, sucks. She's Chun-Li. They did a Death Star run. They did. Successfully. Alleluia is an awful pilot. I feel like we'll get into that this week, but yes. We've, we've gotten into that previously, too. No, I feel like he's just been an absent pilot lately. He hasn't done any <laughs> bad piloting. Okay, that's, I guess, true enough. All right. So we are going to watch Gundam 00, episode 40, episode 15 of part two, Victory Song of the Resistance. You can watch along on Crunchyroll if you like. We start out showing the 
ass kicking that Ollie gets who you're talking about last week. I do really like his like, ah, I've got the hostages now. And Sutson is like, yeah, no, it's the <laughs> yeah, most no, Kaya what now that's ever been in a uh, series. Like I've, I've made that joke this entire series. I was always thinking of this specific moment. Again, I love how you see the particles in Sanchez's cockpit. <laughs> as, he's, as, <laughs> as he's kind of looking off to the side. And then when he turns back, you get the shot outside of his mobile suit and Sutson is just gone. I love how he's like, I'm taking these guys hostages and Sutson immediately just like, Nope, you do not get to do that. <laughs> so yeah, Setsuna just wipes the floor with Sachez here. Yeah, I don't mind seeing this again at all. <laughs> no, because Sachez is one of those characters who you legitimately want to see die, I feel like. So just as Setsuna goes in for the killing blow, he hears why am I forgetting her name? Marina, Marina. calls him and is like, hey, you got to listen to this new track I made. And he's like, fine. No, she just went to the future and set this as her ringtone. <laughs> So he'd have no choice but to listen. So he freezes and doesn't kill Sachas, who is able to punch out. I feel like the way these escape pods work, he could have anyway. And maybe that's my frustration with this scene. If he had been distracted from chasing him because of the song, it might have worked better. Well, based on the way it pops out of there, I think the cockpit is still in the same place. So if he'd cut through it the way he was going to, he would have gone straight through all, all Sachas' cockpit. So he wouldn't have had the opportunity to punch out. Maybe. But then we get a confirmation from this that everybody else in this area can hear it too, because this is new from last episode. Oh, we actually did see Klaus and Marie and Sheeran reacting, but Ali Alsach as speaking for the audience is new of him going like, what is going on? Why do I hear a bunch of brats singing? <laughs> oh, fuck. This song is terrible. I'm the villain, so you're supposed to like it, but it's I'm terrible. I'm doing fine. Please let me know if you are well. What about me? Setsuna is so mortified by Tyler singing, he doesn't even know why he's fighting anymore. <laughs> and then we get this Gundam Seed Destiny-ass intro for the second time. That's an insult to the Gundam Seed Destiny intros in some ways. <laughs> okay, so in the very beginning, we get a bunch of clearly topless women doing stuff. Why is Feld there? Uh, All the other ones I can justify, but Feld's Gundam like... Gundam Double D. <laughs> She's like such a if side If that's character. the case, why is Sumeragi not there? Because she's older and not sexualized, and he has a drinking problem, you would be taking advantage of her. Okay, why is a new there by that logic? A felt seems. I more... assume she's important. And why is Soma not there? It would be the other one. I would be like, she should be on this list. The, the choice I is odd. Like, I'll agree with you let's guys because it's it's felt Marina, Marina, Louise, Louise and, and a new. So what it is is the four women in the plot line here who are currently resting as a will they won't they get into a relationship with somebody. Um, <laughs> weirdly, there's another one I would put in there. A thing happens in the movie that I was like, that's kind of out of nowhere. But then when I rewatched the series after the movie, I'm like, oh, there are actually a thousand hints. They're just super subtle. That's actually kind of interesting. And so I haven't drawn attention to them. But I'd say there's another character. But you're right. I guess Soma is in a relationship. Soma's unavailable. So... <laughs> These are the four uh, girls that the uh, the writers approve of you wanting to be in a relationship with, I guess. <laughs> they are the approved shipping options. Subaragi's over 25. No one wants a Christmas cake. Milena's uh, too young. Milena's too young. No one wants a Christmas oh, cake. Are you not aware that's a phrase in Japanese culture? Nope. It's a thing that doesn't quite work in English. It's like, how are older women like Christmas cakes? No one wants one after the 25th. Yeah, uh, it's fucking terrible. Yeah. So we exit the intro into Hilling Care, just uh, floating around, being like, oh, man, it sucks that Bring died. Hub brings Brother Divine. You know, I could comfort you if you feel lonely. 
and Divine is shaking with rage at the sheer incompetence of Drink Stabity, as Tyler <laughs> said, denying killing her flirting. I love how he specifically blames bring stabity being incompetent and not his opponent for being intelligent because that tracks perfectly to me because these guys believe they're so far above everybody else that the only way someone could beat them is if they screwed up a mere human the well, best they can do is be useful except for the fair, fact that Tiaria it was Tiaria yeah which they'll oh, bring well, up later if an innovator was killed by one of our own kind with Regina tries very hard not to loll at because she's in front of ribbons no, she's, she's, not, not. she's with uh, Wong Lumei yeah what is she doing here is this a subplot? Who knows? Where the fuck like, are they anyway? Isn't that great? Well, and yeah, well, they're in that one room that... Uh, they're in Long Lume's uh, space box. We've seen this place before. <laughs> I was going to say that Genji Ikari's always in. So. <laughs> yeah, this is a Genji Ikari-ass room. This is Genji Ikari's like, break room because it's just a couch <laughs> at a huge distance. Genji Ikari construction. These are the building. These are the rooms they build. Or Genji. Gendo. Yeah. Yep. Well, hey, whatever. Ty- you know. Tyler planted that foul seed. Yep. It's Gendo. Um, also, Shendo. It, it's Shendo and Genji. I believe it would be Shindo and Genji. Oh, yeah. Th- sorry, Shindo. The translations vary. The new dub to Shindo, <laughs> but the old one says Shendo. So we get to back on topic. There's a mobile suit approaching the Cateron base in which everybody is here. Apparently, Marina has been uh, nominated to do laundry. Yeah. She's got but a nice it, laundry crate. It's it, They're worried about it. It could be the ALOS, but nope. It's a Gundam, and it is specifically... Setsuna and the Double O Riser. Yeah, I was saying he's uh, heading to uh, Marina's rap party for that sweet song that she had. How did he know they were here? Isn't this... This is a different base than the one they went to. Yeah, but I think they helped them evacuate to this base. I don't... Well, they they helped them evacuate here by taking the heat off of them during the evacuation. But they also had Wang Lume send trucks and stuff, so I would totally believe they know exactly where this is. And they're like, hey, Celestial Being, we're here. Not the gun, the pilots, but Celestial Being aided in the evacuation. So it stands to reason to me they would know where the base is. It just seems super weird for them to show up right here on their doorstep. He was also super close, we know, because the battle took place within plane range. That's what I was about to say, is that it's possible that... uh, the plane gave him directions. So Setsuda lands. Marina sees that she, he has a bullet wound and I guess throws the laundry away. I do like this as a, she's so, uh, she urgently wants to get to him, but we don't see her toss the laundry. <laughs> she's just, it's in one frame and we cut to her catching Setsuda without it. There's no sound effect or anything. I totally act- like the drama. It's just a little jarring. No, see, the reason why there wasn't a actual sound is because that guy that's standing behind her in this caught shot right before it caught it. What of Chad? <laughs> she catches Setsuna and, ye- and yells, Medic! Does the, does the absolute worst thing by turning around and yelling to the, the entire hangar full of people, somebody call a medic. I really just want... Again, I'm never going to dub this show, but if I ever do, I really want to just replace that with the heavy's voice line from TF2 just being, Get behind me, doctor! We cut to the Ptolemaeus, which is not detecting anything on its presumably fixed sensors. Well, I mean, that would probably be the first thing you'd want to fix. Get the sensors working, then get the camouflage working. Well, they did the camo first, which does make sense to me. Well, either one makes a lot of sense. I just would figure sensors so that you know if somebody's coming to gank you. Apparently they can see, as Lockon was just like, ah, they're two of by air. There are two <laughs> of them coming by air. So they're like, hey, we need to get to the rendezvous with Cataron if there's no problems. 
And Lost is like, we better thank Catheron for letting us know about that. Right, Lyle? Wink, wink. And Lyle's like, I don't know what you're Wait, talking he just, about. He just flat out admits, or kind of admits it by saying, yeah, I'll tell them. It's just such an open secret. Why Why is this subplot? Why did he? I feel like they all knew from the start he was with Catherod. And like, well, well we, Setsuna we, did. And yeah, like, we definitely know Setsuna knew. I feel like at the going into this, the only person who didn't know was Alleluia. <laughs> and maybe Anu, because she joined later. But I that's feel like, why this is happening, because Anu's like, ah, it's our little secret. And he's like, no. <laughs> Lasse just basically said, hey, everybody knows. And she's like, yeah, our secret. I think the reason why this subplot is kind of what we were talking about in, on the way down here, Jeremy. It's a character motivation baked in for Lyle, or it's supposed to be one. But it doesn't answer the core problem of why is he in Catheron to begin with? Like Tyler said before, the drama you get from this is by playing with his split loyalties. But this is like a guy who is belongs to the Senate and Congress. They're both part of the United <laughs> States and want the same thing. Not like this is a dude who's acting as a spy for the regular army in Celestial Being who is working against the A-laws, which actually, thinking about it now... That could have made for some really I, I nice drama in these that next couple of episodes. Plot. Yeah. Like, it could have helped foment the uh, coup. and Yeah, that would have been rad, wouldn't it? Now that I think... I hadn't even thought about that until just now. Yeah, And, every, and even felt kind of has the look of, yeah, everybody knows about that. We get to Malena, who's doing mobile suit repairs, presumably because her dad is busy fixing the ship. Saji and Mari show up to be like, hey, we're in this episode. And Malena is very cute about it. Then we cut to tactical talk with <laughs> Sumeragi and Tiaria. Well, uh, that's the name of their Ian podcast, are, by the way. <laughs> Ian and, and Alleluia are also here. They're they're uh, listeners. They're not participants. So she's like, so you had to use Seraphim, huh? And he's like, yeah, otherwise I would have been finished. And Sumeragi's like, I wondered if they took note of its special features. Like and it's, it's so, racing stripes. I kind of <laughs> wonder what those are, but it definitely makes sense that they're seeding that it can do more here. Yeah, as someone who knows what they are, I don't know how on earth they would have figured out that's what it did. Oh, <laughs> let me, it's another piece of software, isn't it? As opposed to a hardware thing. It's kind of both. But well, like, that's how everything in the series works. It's not like it's a gun. But Tira's like, I don't know. They are innovators, so maybe they can figure it out. And so Ian is like, all right, well, we'll worry about that later. We'll, we'll get the supplies from Cateron and then f- escape the Federation's net. And I'll use it. Yeah, we still can't fire our guns. So if we get attacked, we'll be helpless. In a microaggression towards Ian having not fixed them yet. And Ian's like, man, if we had the double O riser, it has like bullshit main character powers and we'd be fine. (laughs) And Tiari is like, I believe in Setsuna. I'm positive he's coming back to us. He would never abandon our shonen friendship. I believe in him. It's character development. And then he like distractedly looks away from everyone else and then it zooms out and he's still distractedly looking away from everyone I feel like that's one of those things where it's like, He's obviously staring at the floor, but it's kind of like he's looking off at something else. No, I read it as, like, looking at the floor, but I don't know. It's just weird that he's, like, holding that as a tableau for a while. I take it as, like, he is not a person who's good with his emotions, right? So I feel like he's like, okay, Okay, was this too much? Like, should I not have shared this? Is Alleluia going to call me gay? No, it's 2008. That's not appropriate anymore. Cool. Uh, Wait, no, it's 2043. 
also, they definitely don't have that kind of relationship. Like, if anybody would have, it would have been Lock-On. <laughs> even Lock-On doesn't strike me as that guy. I just imagine you Lock-On no, coming is, through. <laughs> of, of this group, of the, of the group of pilots, Lock-On would be the most likely. is not going to do it. He's way too angsty. Yeah, they're Japanese protagonists. No one is that masculine and has that problem. That would like, be like Patrick Collisar. And even he seems like, he'd be like, gay, I'm cool with that. Actually, I, it would an ally. It would have been Ian. Um. <laughs> oh, you're right. It absolutely would have been Ian. You're right. But at this point, Ian's been around him for long enough. He's like, dude, I do not care. So they make it to the rendezvous point with all the supply trucks. I'm convinced this is the mountain that I think the Archangel got chased through. The, probably. The Minerva chased it through? Yeah, yeah, yep. Definitely a different time of year if it is, because it's uh, sunny, not snowy. I mountain, mean, it makes but. a lot of sense that they look very similar. Cut to Sergey in his emo room, being emo, flashing back to a conversation he had with Pang Hercury here when there was light in the room. Again, is this Pang just Hercury, giving us hey, more detail from the their conversation? I, I don't so, feel yeah. like we got all of this in the previous episode. Yeah, all of this is new content. Hey, I forgot at the beginning of the episode, Sergey, he's a Russian colonel. He's a badass. He's Soma's dad. He's also Andre's dad, even though Andre would deny it. He got a visit from his old friend being like, coup d'etat? <laughs> and Sergey being like, nah. <laughs> so Peng Kirkyuri is like, hey, they built a Death Star. It's time to do a coup d'etat. If your government builds a Death Star and, and keeps it a secret from the public when they have a petition that we should be building a Death Star, you know that the, that's a problem. That means we definitely are on the side of the bad guys. And Sergey's like, hey, don't underestimate the ALOS. They built a Death Star. So Peng is like, believe me, I am going to. And Sergey's like, your plan isn't to take an orbital elevator hostage, is it? George Hercury just smirks. And Sergey's like, you want me to join you? And he's like, I cannot imagine you ever disobeying your orders or your wife would still be alive. And Sergey's like, don't say it. That seems really, really ham-fisted for writing. Otherwise, this guy is a massive dick. He's like, anyway, I just don't want you to get involved. I don't want to fight the wild bear of Russia. And we're old friends, as established last episode. So just chill out, hang out in your brooding room for a while. And Hercury goes to leave, and he's like, armies exist to be a deterrent against foreign powers and protect the people and prosperity. But they can't do that if there are a bunch of fascist assholes in the government, (laughs) especially if they have an a-holes division for their military. And Sergei's like, okay, good point, but also, and then Hercury just leaves. (laughs) Then we get an exit shot of this flashback of Sergei still brooding. (laughs) Hey, then we're in the Middle East. That's a cool place to be. And it's the leader of Catheron, Klaus. It's Klaus and Sheeran meeting with coup d'etat guy. His name is Koo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy I don't think ever gets a uh, name. And he's and they're like, how can Catheron assist you in this coup d'etat? And he's like, you can watch and decide <laughs> if you want to join us. And Klaus is like, that seems incredibly easy. I assumed he would like want something from us. I'll tell everybody and celestial being about this. And the dude's like, wait, you can talk to celestial being. Can you get me an autograph? He's like, yeah, I just pray really hard. And the celestial beings hear me. They've shown that they can, they've got the strength to oppose the A-laws. It's a good thing. Klaus hasn't seen what they've been doing recently because they've kind of been getting trounced. They did just blow up their death star. They did. And then they were promptly trounced. And their main, their their one big ship has a big fucking hole in it. The last time they fought them, Tiaria killed an innovator. Okay, that is true. I was thinking of like large scale conflicts. They haven't really done very well in those. They are one battleship. One battleship is typically not good at large scale conflicts unless it's called the Archangel. Uh, well, even the Archangel didn't do so hot until it got two more allies to watch its back. The Eternal and Bob. 
So Klaus and Sharon have another discussion about whether or not they can trust the coup d'etat faction. And Klaus is like, well, I want to believe in them. We're not going to get many more chances. And it's not like they asked us to do anything. So what do we got to lose? Cut through those cool aircraft carriers that the a-holes have. And hey, it's Luis and Andre. And Luis seems to be hanging out with Andre of her own free will. I guess because he's the only guy she knows now. Yep. He's the only person on board this particular ship who she knows. I have a sneaking suspicion that the colonel is on a different ship from this one. Because I think they actually... I don't think so because Patrick Collisar is on this ship. But... Oh, no, you're right. He is. Because he comes up and, and talks to... There's a ton of good comic relief in this episode, and we're about to get one of the best bits. So Andre and Louise are complaining about, or I should say Andre is complaining about how no rest for the wicked, and they have another job as soon as they get back to Earth. And Louise is like, I have another chance for revenge. This is great. And Andre's like, don't you ever think about acting more feminine? Louise He's is like, like that is irrelevant. <laughs> He's like, not even for Saji. And she's like, I deleted all of my pictures of him. It's, well, she says, I've thrown away my past. And he points out, you know, if you got rid of your past, that would mean getting rid of your reason for revenge because that's technically in your past. And, and, then and like, Louise is like, fuck you, I'm leaving. <laughs> and she's like, revenge is a dish served or best served amnesiatic. <laughs> and she's like, I've remembered I don't like you. I'm leaving. So then Patrick <laughs> Collisar comes from off screen. He's like, dude, if you're trying to win her heart, I know all the right moves. Just stick with me. I love Collisar here. And then Andre just walks away. <laughs> the thing is, Saji and Kalasar are not super similar, but I think the things she likes about Saji are like things that Kalasar has. And Kalasar is clearly too old for her and not interested, but I actually think Kalasar's advice might work. <laughs> it's entirely possible because when you when we think about the things that both Kalasar and Saji have shown, like they're actually really similar. They're both really devoted to the person they care about. Now, they're hear me out. Goofball. And they're kind of a goofball. Have you considered getting a part-time job in order to buy her some earrings? <laughs> uh, Saji's considerably smarter than Kalasar. <laughs> that said, that does not seem to be a particularly high bar to jump. I think Kalasar might be the stupidest cast member we have. Wong Lume's brother for continuing to put up with her. <laughs> well, that doesn't make him stupid. Stupid, that means he has a low wisdom stat. Cut over to Hilling. Right after we hear a shout from Kalasar of, you're ignoring me. He's like, ah, oh, humans suck. They can't even talk with each other telepathically. And Vine is like, I am so tired of talking with you, Hilling. And Hilling's <laughs> like, that's fine. I just like the sound of my own voice. I'm patterned <laughs> after Ribbon's Allmark. Hilling feels much more like, like they code as female. Yeah, Hilling reads very female to me. Whether or not she is. Okay, I wasn't sure if that was just a me thing or... She's definitely very flirty. Mm-hmm. Definitely if you put her next to Ribbons, she looks like the girl of the two. Uh, since Ribbons is obviously very masculinely coded. Well, in the Stabity and Divine kind of, or are very masculinely coded as well. Yeah. So, Mannequin's just getting here, actually. She's, she's coming on a jet plane. And that's why I wasn't sure if she was actually going to be on the same ship. That'd be why. And Billy Katagiri is waiting for her. And she's like, didn't I go to school with you? What are you doing? And, but <laughs> apparently they don't really she didn't know who he it. was. Yeah. Because I guess she knew might have known who he was, but she forgot him. And he's like, I want to see celestial beings demise with my own eyes. And my uncle is in charge. So nepotism. <laughs> Kati kind of she's like, your wish may come true very soon. And God damn. Damn it, another one? <laughs> Who has license here? And then everyone raises their hand, and she's like, Oh, keep firing, assholes! <laughs> Who's under my orders? Louise raises her hand. <laughs> Andre, Andre also. 
And then Andre goes for a high five and Luis glares at him and then grabs his arm with her robot arm. <laughs> Cut to Hercury, who's like, ah, the Alos are going to use all their strength against Celestial Being. Sorry to take advantage of you, but this is my chance. Um, from what we see later, that is not all of Alos' forces. Well, he doesn't know that. And then we don't get an eye catch about it. Hey, hello, and hi. Welcome to episode 15 of season 2 of Gundam Double O. It just occurred to me that we're over halfway through with this season, or three-quarters of the way through with Gundam 00 overall. We are pretty far in the future in recording time because of weird Zach schedules, but I will just give, a, give y'all a little preface. This does not let up. Um, I say a couple times on mics that I think season two of Gundam 00 is my favorite Gundam show. Which, you know, kind of elides the fact that season one had to happen in order for us to get here. But it's pretty dang good. Anywho, um, onto the plug. You know, I was going to do the normal plug thing. So I am going to do that really quick over on the Patreon. This month's bonus episode was a thing that we did because Jeremy accidentally got subscriptions to both Marvel and DC's, like, online archive things. And he just reads a ridiculous number of comics per day. I forget the exact number. And talks about them alternatingly with me and Zach. And then also Ryan from our Discord. Who also, just a plug, started his own podcast recently, talking about the history of old and influential cartoons. I've listened to the first episode, and it was, like, fairly informative. Also, like, very coincidentally, an episode of Popeye that I remember where Bluto is Sinbad, and that's kind of amusing to me. But anyway, another plug. I was just looking at some of our Patreon metrics for, like, year-over-year stuff, and I've got two things to say about that, just for, like, you know, transparency and letting you know how things are going. First of all, hey, welcome to Natural Giant and Kitka, our two newest patrons. Um, also, we had a couple new people join the Discord recently, so, you know, there's some new nerds to hang out with over there. But yeah, other than that, we've just been steadily growing for the last while. We're still not huge or anything. But it's just really nice um, that there are people who are willing to support us monetarily to produce the dumb nerd stuff that we like. And that we have a community of other nerds with absurdly niche interests. It's also pretty nice because a lot of our equipment is getting on the older side and we're going to have to start replacing some of it soon. So that helps it be a hobby that funds itself. So thanks for that, everyone. Oh no, it's just really nice. And I think that's all I have to say about that. So let's get back to the episode. Bye. And so we go after the non-eye catch. We get Setsuna standing in a desert town. At night. And then he sees Setsuna. A child Setsuna. Praying with a handgun. Yeah, praying with a handgun. I thought he was Middle Eastern, not American. Setsuna F. Chibe. So he freezes, but then he immediately like turns around and runs after his younger self to steal his gun. Who is pointing it at his parents. And he's like, hey, what did you do that for? I'm upholding God's teaching. And Seth's like, there is no God, kid. You're just going to make things worse by spilling blood. Trust me on this one. I know this. So he throws Chibi Seth into his parents and is like, lock him in his room or something. He's Don't idiot. let him outside. And then he's like, all right, I need to go find the dude that started this and murder him. So he runs out and sees the ghost of Lock-On Past. He's like, yo, Setsuna, the only thing the past can change is how you feel about the present. And then Setsuna doesn't have a gun anymore. <laughs> and he hears well, his child he hears, self shoot his parents. He hears the gunshot go off, and then it shows us that he doesn't have the gun anymore. And then Marina's song starts playing in this dream as Chibi Setsuna walks dejected with the gun, having murdered his parents. And the ghost of Lock-On Pass is like, Setsuna, you should change. I couldn't. So you'll have to do it for me. This is literally just the end of Christmas Carol. Calling back to what their promise or what Setsuna said about, hey, if I die, you can do it for me. 
So then Sessuna starts saying, this song is so bad. Terrible. He wakes up. And Marina apparently brought all the children into Setsuna's no, room. He, she didn't bring them into Setsuna's room. He's literally in the daycare. And she's like, oh, hey, you're awake. And Setsuna's like, uh, where am I? And she's like, the daycare. He's like, yeah, that actually tracks. And he's like, what was that song? And she's like, oh, I wrote it after hearing these wishes of these children. Setsuna's like, oh, no, I can't insult children. <laughs> is that so? And then my immediate thought was, Marina, get a day job. <laughs> then don't quit it. <laughs> Also, why did I hear that when I went Kaioken? He gets up, but Marina pushes him down. He's like, hey, hey, we got the bullet out, but we don't have any fancy regeneration equipment or back to tanks. So there's still a hole in your shoulder. So you need to sleep like old people did when they got wounded. <laughs> She's like, anyway, remember that weird letter that he wrote me? The basically suicide note he left her? Yeah. It's like, you said that you wanted to understand other people. Well, that starts with getting to know each other. So why don't we take some time to get to know each other while you recover? So and all the kids are like, okay, we're going to be the best wingmen ever. And we're going to leave them alone. Yep. They don't need it because as established, Setsuna and Marina do not feel that way against each other. Still, these kids, better wingmen than 99% of all anime characters. <laughs> That's the only reason they can be is because nothing's going to happen. I actually kind of love the fact that Setsuna and Marina just have this friendship and that's not i'm not even sure that's how i describe it they have weird acquaintanceship (laughs) like has setsuna ever read anyone else a letter though why did he write her a letter i don't know i feel like he wrote her a letter initially because of the fact that he she was like the one person who outside of celestial being that he had real contact with because saji was just kind of his weird neighbor right yeah, remember that it started because Felt wrote Locke on a letter. He was like, hey, do you want to uh, write anyone? Yeah, anything? that's fair. And so I think he thought about it and was like, well, if I was going to, it would be her. I feel and, like after the in the second season is where they actually became friends. They are friends with each other. They are very different from one another, but they are friends because you don't really talk about stuff that deep with anybody other than a really close friend or a therapist. Or Gundam. Yeah, but... The Gundam falls under therapist. <laughs> so the kids go out to the hangar, and I actually really like this scene where they ask just two of the guards on duty there, hey, are you going to fight? And one was like, I don't know. We're getting ready in case, though. And one was like, are you going to die? And he's like, well, man, that's a hard question. I guess <laughs> it depends on how lucky I am. And the other guy's like, don't take them that seriously. Don't take it so seriously. You guys need to go back to your room. And one of them is like, we can't do that because there's lovey-dovey stuff going on. Which they all say in unison. Which I, is I can hilarious. only imagine what those guards must think must be going on right now in this room. Well, they're like, well, they are horny teenagers. Teenagers? Let me check. Yes, teenagers. They're no, 20, I, which is still teenagers. In the future, for sure, that's teenagers. <laughs> but I feel uh, like Marina's a little older than Setsuna. Honestly, I have no idea. I haven't bothered to look it up, and I'm not going to in a weird change of pace. What? I know. <laughs> I can't wait for Marina Ismail's sophomore song, Lovey Dovey. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a mirror song. No, I think her sophomore song is We're Not Like That. <laughs> well, it, it's lovey-dovey parenthesis. We're, We're not, not like, like that. that. Uh, uh, okay, that that's okay. just an, I think that is a real Ellie and AJ song oh, that you really? just described. It has Beatles vibes to me. <laughs> so cut back to Marina and Setsuna. Setsuna has just divulged his terrible backstory to Marina. And she's like, well, I guess I would also hate war if I murdered my parents because of one. Anyway, my backstory is I was normal. And royal. Well, I feel like this is just a situation where she is sharing because he shared, even though it's nowhere near the same side of things. 
I just feel like being like, hey, I had a normal childhood. It feels like much clunkier writing than this show usually has. If she's just like, hey, uh, uh, my mother and father were normal people. And then I found out about my bloodline and became a princess later. I think that would have worked a lot better. Honestly, the reason why it kind of tracks to me here is because after he shared what he went through, I mean, what do you say to respond to that? So it feels like, yes, it feels very clunky, but it also feels very genuine because like if someone told me that I wouldn't know what to say to that either. And I'd probably go with the same thing. She says she wanted to pursue the path of music. And I really wish we had seen this before because I do actually like it. But I would have really loved if in previous flashbacks she was like in college studying music or had a chance to like debut but chose to be the princess of or like when she and Sheeran were just sitting around alone she was like playing an instrument or something or had any kind of instruments in the room with her or anything like that or had like any hint towards this this feels kind of like they wanted a musical thing in here and so they stuck it on mirror mirror on uh, (laughs) on marina but then when Azetistan needed a princess they picked me and Setsun was like I gotta say music suits you much better (laughs) and you're not very good at that (laughs) I just think we have to accept that the song is much better in universe than in reality. Yeah. I didn't find the actual like music behind it too bad. It's just very generic. It's not bad. It's not as good as any of Lacus Klein's songs, though, and I don't just say that as a massive Lacus Klein fanboy. Although, like I said about it, I do really like its gospel feel. I think that really ties in well with Setsuna's backstory, and that ties your hands a lot musically. So she she counters, oh yeah, I think you would be much su- better suited to music too. It's like, do we even know if Setsuna can play a musical instrument? I think she's just like, you are also forcing yourself to do something that or maybe it, you're not the best at. It, it just reads really weirdly because he says, she responds with, I think the same thing about you after he says, I think you're much, much more suited to playing music. So Ikeda comes in. He's the reporter from the first part. He's like, hey, so we got news that your ship picked up supplies from our European branch. And Cessna's like, oh, I better go hang out with them then. Cut to the Ptolemaeus where Ian's like, we'll be done with repairs to the hull soon, thanks to Catheron's supplies, but we and can't then, do a submarine yet. But then Lasse goes ahead and jinxes them because he says, we'll be done with repairs before the enemy arrives. And nobody calls him on it. This is actually the Tiaria scene that I really liked. Ah, yes, where we see Saji, Mari, and Milena have passed out. Uh, Mari's not here. It's just Saji and, and Milena. Because we see Mari later. And Tiara comes in with a couple of blankets. Yeah. Puts one on Milena. And she talks in her sleep adorably as Tiara's like, thanks for Milena. And she's like, you mustn't fall in love. Oh, love. Is that supposed to mean anything? Or is that just her? Because she's always okay. obsessed I think with that's it. just her. Okay, I hinted at it at the start. In the movie, this is just a spoiler, Milena will profess her love to Tiaria. He does not really comment on it either way. It Aww. felt like it came out of nowhere, but rewatching the series, there are a ton of times with Milena just like very clearly has a super subtle crush on Tiaria at various points. Oh. Just like ways she talks to him that I did not pick up at all on a first watch, but going through a second time and like knowing that like that is a thing she would say later. I was like, oh, weird. She like always like talks to him differently than anyone else talks to him. And weird. I have not noticed. Yeah, I hadn't caught that. So in this, when I first saw it before the alarm goes off, I thought that he only had brought a one blanket out, but he definitely has a second one. You just couldn't really see it because of how he was scratched down. Yeah, he's but a anyway, soggy blanket, but the, he doesn't get to put it on him because yeah, the, the alarm goes off because Lasse has jinxed them. Yeah, see, oh, you're right. Mari is in the makeout room <laughs> getting a. Glass a post of coffee, a post a co- makeup coffee. Yep. I was going to say a coffee. 
So Lockon's like, oh man, I knew he was right. They seem to just know exactly where we are. And, and there are 36 machines in total coming after them. Also, a new mobile armor. And they're like, well, this is a lot of forces. And We're going to so, take cover behind a mountain range. Take the cover where you can get it. So we see Alos mobile suits to block out the sun, as well as the new Empress, a Gadessa, and a Gazaro. We cut to <laughs> the command plane where Patrick Colossar is like, Colonel, why don't I get to pilot a mobile suit? And Cotty is like, you're supposed to be indestructible. So that's why we're going to use your indestructible luck to keep us alive. And, and he lights up like a happy puppy at this. I love Colossar. Cotty knows how to manage her dog. <laughs> so Cotty starts giving a speech about how the ship is uh, damaged and they have three cool main characters to three uh, to 1v1 each of the Gundams. So their other 33 machines can just destroy the ship. So do we think one of the reasons why she decided to keep Kalasar on board her plane to fly it instead was because he keeps getting shot down and she feels one of these times he's actually going to die? I actually think that's a real reason, yes. Yeah, I think it's definitely part of it. So she, as soon as she gives the order to commence the attack, one of the jinxes gets shot out of the air. I love this whole sequence. And a head also gets shot out. There's a shot at the Gadessa, but it manages to dodge. And Revive is like, he outranges my Gadessa. That is not fair. I have a giant fuck-off beam cannon. How does he outrange me? And we see that Lockout is using Transam to amplify his range. To actually snipe for a change. I, I like the sequence here, like I said. And he's, he's just picking them off. I, I think he's up to six now. Yeah, he can't hit the innovators, but all the grunts are easy pickings. And Billy's like, it's using Transam. And Caddy's like, I know. God damn it. Everybody disperse. And it's like, he's literally using a sniper weapon. Dispersing isn't really going to help you at this point. And this even is pinpoint. And even Hilling, the most degrading of all innovators, like, man, this guy actually pretty good. And then he runs out of Transam. I like how he immediately like turns around and takes cover and is like, all right, I took out my share. Now it's your turn until all my particles come back. So Alleluia and Tiaria go to intercept while Cotty gives the order for all the remaining machines to attack. So do we think that when his Trans Am runs out, does his beam rifle not work anymore? I think it works. It probably just has a very limited range. And for a beam sniper rifle, your main feature is pretty much range. Hallelujah gets some cool looking shots, but that's about a, all he gets. We get a really awkward shot of the of Thierry's Gundam firing its big cannons and the way it's animated makes like it makes it look like it's got another beam cannon right on its crotch hey more beam cannons more gooder so they immediately engage the innovators and Thierry can't do much after he fires his first couple of shots because he gets stuck in his beam shield and then the empress shows up and it has those cool lightning weapons that this series loves and starts lightning Tiaria. so he gets caught so uh what does Alleluia do in response proceeds to get caught and unlike Setsuna they do not have resistance to this because they've been microwaved 50 goddamn (laughs) times already so the entire mobile suit team just passes right by them and Lock-On is like why am I the only competent pilot here but Haro's like out of juice out of juice luckily they just decide to give him a light bombing run as they pass him to the ship and Felt's like oh no we're gonna fuck us up that actually makes a certain amount of sense because, like... They're going for the mothership. They take out the mothership, and then where's he going to go? And besides, the plan was for the uh, the in- innovators to take them down. And so Murray is like, all right, give me a gun archer. Yeah, I'm a pilot. Alleluia's not here to tell me no. And before uh, Sumeragi can say, yeah, that's fine, she runs off. But then Saji's like, hey, look at that mobile suit. And someone's like, oh, yeah, that used to be my mobile suit. 
And Sasha's like, well, it's Luis's now. <laughs> and she's like, that's dramatic. Anyway, I got to go to the gun archer. Bye. We then cut to Setsuna, who is limping his way to the double O. He's like, must rejoin friends. Think I've, they might be an action scene. I feel <laughs> like not only does Cataron not have the cell regeneration thing, they also don't seem to have any painkillers. Luckily, Setsuna's got some in his cockpit. He's in so much pain, though, he tells Marina that next time he's here, he'd like to hear the children sing again. He's like, I'm sure it's good. I'm just so hurt. I probably hated it. That was probably what it was. <laughs> well, honestly, at the same time, it kind of feels along the lines of like, it's something to fight for. Yeah, I think which, it's supposed to be genuine. Like I said, I think we just have to take for granted the song is better in universe than it is for us. It also kind of does sound a little bit better without being translated because it's in that foreign language. How are you? I'm fine. Yeah, the <laughs> exactly. Trans- the translated version is uh, even rougher than the Japanese version. Did they actually translate it in the dub? Oh, goddamn. No, <laughs> why? You can't tell at first, too, because it's so like blurry together. And then you're like, oh, no, it's English. Satsuna gives himself a launch sequence because he wants to feel cool and in control. A launch cry, I suppose. Obviously, it's also a sequence. Probably just have it. Marina so watches Marina him watches leave. him leave dramatically. And then we have to make sure we, we get that part in because the way her hair is being blown in the wind. I kind of wonder if she's feeling like he may be going off to die. There might be a little bit of that too, especially because that's a pretty big death flag. I'd like to hear you and the children sing again when I get back. She's like, oh no, I, I was studying to be a bard. I know how this goes. <laughs> we cut from Marina to Luis and then we cut into her mobile suit where her, her eyes are all funny. Oh, that was Luis? Yeah. It was. Interesting. And she orders the new Luis squad to start blasting the hell out of the Ptolemaeus. Which and, the top shield seems to be holding actually beam weapons off, or maybe it's supposed to be the armor is taking the hits. I've always read it as the armor, but the shield also seems to take shell weapons, all right, in this universe. Well, except for the they don't have their field out right now. They just have the cloaking field. So we cut to back to the command plan, and Billy is like, Sayonara, Cujo. And then Caddy's like, wait, we're getting a, what, what is this message? What, what does this email say? Everybody back to the ship fucking now. Celestial being has to wait. A general at the African Tower would greatly require your assistance <laughs> with only a small donation of 36 <laughs> mobile suits. <laughs> and Felt's like, hey, all the enemies are leaving. And the ship stopped shaking. They turned around and left. I love how, like, while this is going on, like, the action is over. Mari's gotten her full, like, flight, flight suit. suit on run into the hangar, and then finds out that they left. I like that Mari does not yet, spoilers, have her own color-coded flight suit. She's just got a <laughs> generic one. She's got the one she had from uh, the A-Laws, which makes sense that they'd still have that on board. Man, it was awfully nice of Divine to let those two go when they left. I can totally buy Caddy calling back all the forces because of what happened and going to deal with it. And I like this as a way for Celestial Being to get saved, especially since they sort of set up Setsuna might show up with him leaving. That would have made sense. You could have done a time dilation thing there. I do feel like the innovators would stay to try to get this murder done. And they have license. Yeah. Unless the only thing that I could think of that would turn them around is if Ribbons specifically called them. But, but I we'll don't find think out Ribbons, ribbons kind of would have. Yeah. And all the Ontario is like, man, we sucked this episode so bad. <laughs> and Cotty's like, it's a coup d'etat. That would have worked so much better if they weren't literally in the Empress's grasp. Yeah. Or if we saw them break out. Like, the episode doesn't really have time for that, but I do feel like we need... Them being tied up by the innovators makes a lot of sense since that was part of the plan, but them literally being tied up being and then them just being dropped off, it's like, 
oh, sorry, I've got something else here. You guys can wait here. It's like, <laughs> especially because we'll find out the dude still has a murder boner for them. We cut to the Africa Tower where Hercury has taken over with his coup d'etat faction, and he's in the command room. Such a naive old guy. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, and we get this op- ending for the first time. It's yep. fine. It's very Gundam Seed and it's like destroyed mobile suits, although they're overgrown rather than like reclaimed by nature. Yeah. Uh, and also everyone's been raptured. Well, and they're in different, <laughs> they're different places. Like I think the Arios is like at the bottom of a canyon. Yeah. It's, like I said, very natural. But wait, there's more. My least favorite after credit sequence in the series, I think. <laughs> oh, man pretty bad it's because this is a sequence we get in its entirety in the middle of the next episode oh it's that one yep i actually when i watched these this morning i kind of forgot about this the, the, the whole, summary is the whole after credit scenes a wild mr bushido appears yeah that's the that's what well, happens catherine says hey there's a coup d'etat the africa tower you should probably go there i bet your friends are going there and sets in like thanks steve and then Cataron yep. Steve. And then da 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 a wild Mr. Bushio appeared. <laughs> oh, this thing looks awful. It's a flag. It's not a flag. It's no, way dumber. That's no flag, man. No flag. <laughs> and Mr. Bushido is like, get a sword fighter with me, Shonen. <laughs> He's like, uh, I don't really have time for this. I used to repel, I guess you're a high level. He's like, and I have block. You can't leave. I have my own transam. Yes, allow me to reveal my transam. Yeah, allow me to reveal my transam in this to make it kind of cliffhangery. I feel like its swords got bigger when that happened. They did. Yeah, did be- they? <laughs> beam swords pretty consistently get bigger when you transam. You know that well done. Just higher output. Nine out of ten doctors say transam is a cure for bigger beam swords. Uh, that's actually the end of the episode. Ah, uh, I think this one's pretty good. I do like the way that Celestial Being gets saved. It's a little clunky, like I said, but I like it as an idea. It suddenly takes us in a different direction that's very interesting. Uh, I mean, I, li- I like it up to the point when, it, like I said, they, they just kind of drop off Alleluia and Tiaria, and both of them are kind of useless in this episode. And unfortunately, Although, it hasn't been something that's come out of nowhere. Like, Alleluia specifically has been kind of, like Jeremy said, absent or useless in the last few I mean, they did get microwaved. I'm willing to give them a little bit of a pass for that. Yeah, like I said, only Setsuna has the tolerance for that. <laughs> He's the only one with microwave resistance? Yeah. Yeah, it's like Final Fantasy 2. If you get microwaved enough, your microwave resistance get, goes up. Do you have a high point, Tyler? Um, I think it's actually going to be just the whole scene between Marina and Setsuna. There's like implied conversation that happens there. But also, I like the fact that they're like, maybe we should like actually just like have a coffee or something sometime. Zach? Uh, cause you took that one. I think I'm going to have to go with, uh, lock on sniping out a bunch of the A-laws as they were coming in. Cause that actually seems like a legitimately good idea with that mobile suit. Not the area being a nice guy. I'm going to take that since he okay. did. <laughs> the blanket bit is pretty nice. Do you have a low point, Tyler? Man, I'm trying to, <sighs> not exceptionally. Actually, I'm going to go with the after credit scene. Mr. Bushido's return. Yeah. I, you stole it from me. Yep. Like it's a worse cliffhanger than the episode actually has. And we'll get this scene in its entirety later. And I don't care about Mr. Bushido even a little bit. And neither <laughs> does Setsuna. I'm constantly now trying to avoid using the after credit scenes for my low points because I feel like I keep dipping into those a lot. I think the next after credit scene we get is the best one in the series. So they're like back to back. What's my low point? No, you know what? I think it's just going to basically be the, I mean, I like, I like Celestial Being getting saved, but just like, all right, 
they were saved, therefore I'm going to set down a Alleluia and Tiaria and leave. That's what I was going to take, is the innovators just being like, oh no, that human said we need to leave. We should leave. Let me drop these on the floor. Oh, I know what mine's going to be. Andre telling Louis she should try to act more fast. Oh, that was so bad, I kind of just spaced it. Well, to be fair, she also just kind of <laughs> yeah, no-sold it. Yeah, she was like, this conversation has gotten so bad, I'm leaving. <laughs> I think also I was think- when I was thinking of that scene, I was, I was thinking of... Uh, Colossar showing up and being like, yo, I can help you. That's, uh, I was going to say runner-up for high points yeah, is same. lots of good Colossar stuff. There's a lot of comedic stuff in this episode. There's also a bunch of good, really good Milena stuff that I think is funnier in the dub. But like are her welcoming uh, Saji and Mari to the yeah. uh, hangar. Her, her, her line in the dub is, the Haros will love you. <laughs> and it's real, That's really good. Yeah. I was going to say another runner-up high point for me was uh, just like the whole flashback scene with Setsuna is actually pretty good. Oh, it's just it like, is. I forgot about the ghost of Lock-On Pass. That's yeah. super good stuff. Well, and the ghost of Setsuna Pass at the same time. He got visited by two of the three Christmas spirits. You know, past and past. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, man. I, now I want the ghost of Lock-On Future and it just to be a third guy that looks <laughs> like them. Who never shows up in the series, but just like visits Setsuna in dreams. It's well, actually Lock-On's dad. I was going to say, it's actually their other sister. They had the one sister that died, but they have another sister that they just don't talk about. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? My joke MVP is Tiaria for being a good support and uh, giving people blankets. My real MVP is Lock-On. Original Lock-On as a ghost or <laughs> new Lock-On okay, that's a that's a good point. New Lock-On. Okay. <laughs> Zach? I think I'm going to give it to Marina for the, the whole thing with Setsuna. Okay, who am I going to give it to? Because I think there are lots of candidates. It's No one stands out to me, honestly. Is But everyone did pretty okay. Yep. I think I am going to give it to Tiaria. He really does fumble the ball in that battle. But I really like his, like, I believe in sets it. He'll come back. And him giving blankets out, that's it, good. Those are little character moments that we definitely wouldn't have seen from him in season one. Yeah. Yep. If he'd come across somebody sleeping in the hangar in season one, he probably would have kicked them awake. So my problem is my criteria for MVP switches between either how many mobile suits you to shoot down or how compelling were you to the plot to how how much character growth have you had? Or are you the prime minister of Terribia doing a good <laughs> political play? <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> your announcement of what your criteria shifts to shifts every time you say it. Uh-huh. All right. Just wanted to make sure we were dealing with a Joker's backstory situation here. I am the Academy. <laughs> Speaking of the Academy, we have a ton of mobile suits and 10 episodes left, so we have to put one on here. The Travesty. The Travesty. That's a, that would be a good name for a mobile suit, but... I don't want to rank the Marasso Owl right now. No, its last appearance is in one whole episode, so we should <laughs> wait for that. I feel like the ones that really line out to me for ranking are the Gadessa and the Gazaro, the Innovator suits. I think we've seen enough of them. Big fuck-off cannon and look, hey, Freddy Krueger claws. Yes. Which one do we want to do today? I say the Gazaro. I feel like we've seen everything that's ever going to do. Hey, look, Freddy Krueger claws. Yep. It's definitely the, the one I like less of the two. I don't I, really like either one, personally. Neither do I. I like the Gazaro less than the flag, which we have pretty low. I do, too. The The weapon is like, yay, interest, kind of an interesting uh, weapon yeah, no, that we I haven't like seen claw before. Hands for sure. But the rest of the design is just kind of bleh. Well, I'm not as much of one as Daryl, but I am a flag stand, so I think I agree. I like it more than the ahead, though. I saying I like the ahead pretty well, too, because it's just the flag. Um, no, the ahead is the, oh, I'm thinking of the, the one Luis has currently. Okay, never mind. Which is a really stupid head. 
Yes. <laughs> Which is why I always confuse them. Just in case that hasn't come up yet. Every um, time we talk about the Enact. I, um, think I prefer the Enact slightly, but they're actually very comparable well, to me. Well, considering we're talking about the Ahead, not the Enact. God damn it. <laughs> um, I really like the Initiate. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> the Progress Gundam. Yet I like the Gazara more than the Ahead. I'm locked in. I just need opinions from you two. Well, yeah, no, I, I like the Ahead more. Okay. Very Z- slightly. Zach. I think I like the Ahead more, too. It's got a little bit more going on. All right. That also puts it below the Enact and the Jinx. It's better than the Alvator, right? Oh, yeah. No, no question. That's the giant golden mobile suit that our favorite oh, dead No, James I, I, I knew which one it was. Is That's not the mobile suit part of it. That's, that's the, the terrine, right? Yeah. Um, I would agree. It is better than that. Uh, it's better than the Zeno, right? Or do you guys not like it as much as the Zeno? I think I like the Zeno more. <laughs> no, I, th- I think I like it the Gazara more. Okay. I like it more than the Kapool. Ugh. That's weirdly close for me. I mean, if it was the Momo Kapool, there would be no option. Um, I hate the Kapool. Oh, I should have I should have started here. This mobile suit we hate. I like it more than the Taros. <laughs> yeah, no, I also like it more than the Taros. Yeah. Final question. Is it better or worse than the Trilobite, which is that underwater mobile armor that Rint sent after them? It's better. I'm not a huge fan of mobile armors to start with. Oh, I was going to say I actually like the uh, Trilobite better. But <laughs> I, I like the Gazzaro more than the Trivet. I, I, I like the Gazzaro more than either of you, which see a sentence I thought I would never say to any human being. <laughs> but the Gazzaro goes at number 95 above the Trilobite and below the ahead. And that will do it for this week. Anything else you guys want to say about this episode? It's a nice slow one to start us off with on this giant stretch we're doing. Yeah, I was going to say it's not the best slow episode of Double O that we've gone, but it's not bad by any means. Well, especially so. because like, the last five minutes are an action sequence. There's that. It's mostly like none of these slow parts were like super great. They're all okay or too pretty good. I mean, I really liked the slow parts in this one because while we didn't get a lot of forward progress in it, most of the slow parts in this particular episode gave us, you know, bits of character growth, like showing us where these characters are at this point and giving us a marker point for where they've grown. Malena's on the floor sleeping. <laughs> it's a gun that will return with Prelude to Tragedy. Welcome aboard! The Haros will love you!